Ramon Schoen is a fresh of breath there. He just loves chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It's it it kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome to another mini Witty episode of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self rated Buffalo sports podcast covering the Bill Sabres entertainment and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us on Twitter at Woody Sports 716 and make sure you check out everything Built in Buffalo is giving you every single day. YouTube, Facebook, the best Bills content out there. And it's just ramping up more and more now that the season is right around the corner at Built in Buffalo underscore. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Tony. Tony, how you doing tonight? It's a mini episode with a mini parody. Matt, good evening. Matt, I have a question for you. <laughs> Very so on the nose, if, mini parody, very cut short. I like it. If it's a mini episode in yeah. in, in witty city, it's a mini yep. it's a mini witty city. Is it a witty suburb? Is it a witty borough? I was thinking Is more like um, a witty you know how they have those shipping containers that they convert into houses. It's a tiny house. It's a tiny house. Episode. It's a yeah. it's a witty tiny house. It's a witty tiny house. It is yes, glorified. That's a good yeah. way to look at it. I'll take it. It's like a, it's a witty mini, Airbnb. Mini episode for mini camp. Oh, okay. That's pretty good too. Yeah. We try. We throw darts. We see it sticks. That's what uh, I like about the show. Yeah. Very off the cuff. It's just, it's just, it's a vibe. It's a flow. You know that it listeners. Is. They know. Like they know what himself. the show is. They know what the show, what the show is. is. It's just brainstorming puns. Pretty much. Through a Bill's just, lens. Brainstorming puns through a Bill's lens. Yeah. If this was like a yeah, chat that's... GPT and you asked chat GPT, what? Is the Woody Not Funny Sports Podcast about it is puns through a Bill's lens and wild conspiracy, yeah. conspiracy theories. Yeah, that's what the people want. It's the people that's the show. AI, that's what the AI would tell you. Anyway, yeah. As we know from Terminator, AI is taking over the world. Shout out Skynet. The future's Shout out here. Skynet. Future Shout sponsor, Skynet. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Can we just do that? <laughs> if we just ask an AI software, like, will you sponsor us and give us money? Do you think they'd be like, Yes. That's interesting. Like, how altruistic are AI? Like, could I just say, hey, chat GBT, I'm falling on hard luck. Right. Do you have a, a dollar? I host a podcast. Bus? Right. I host a podcast. Right. Which is on <laughs> branch, everything else I just said. So, Which is this century's starving artists. Yep. Correct. Maybe a couple bucks for the bus. What do you think? What's the worst we get? We, the worst we can do is try, and we're right back to square one if they say no. Right. I yeah, like that. it's smart enough. Uh, we'll, we'll try. If I give it a routing number, I feel like it should be, sure. be able to drop me some money. Well, or two routing numbers. Yeah, GPT, guess. can you transfer $5,000 to this routing number? Right. That's an interesting question. I wonder what happened. Nope. So it kind of has to follow what you ask or say, right? Interesting. All right. So, how, we're gonna, how we're gonna, crazy? We're going to put Please. some feelings on that. Tony, Tony, we don't have time. We have, we have too much bills to talk about. All right. We'll circle back to it. Dude. Do your side hustle late. 
<laughs> Before we get into uh, this week's topic, which as camp winds down, as we say goodbye to our beloved St. John Fisher, we're going to throw our hottest takes of the 2023-2024 season at you listeners. But before we do that, I want to talk about how I attended the officially titled Return to Red and Blue scrimmage. Is that what it's called? Is it? That sounds right, I guess. And Tony, you being at camp every day, this is the first time I've seen the team this season live in action. I wanted to get some of your thoughts on my observations and see if this is something you're seeing at camp or just what your opinion is on what I observed during the scrimmage. So the first thing I observed, Tony, bad marketing from the Bills. Wow. There was no red team. Okay. There was only like three guys in red jersey and then some random white team. It's not the red, white, and blue scrimmage. It's the red and blue scrimmage. How is this a fair fight? How is this fair for the red team when they only have three guys? The two Allen boys and Matt Barkley, the third Allen boy from another mother. Serious disadvantage for the red team. I don't know how you can call it the red and blue scrimmage if there is no red team. Tony, what is going on in the Bills marketing department? (laughs) Can we review what is the name of the scrimmage? The return of red and blue scrimmage? Is that what it's called? Return of red and blue. Yes. All right. So I'm led to believe that they believe people refer to the Bills as the red and blue Mm, in such a way that the Bills are returning to Buffalo and this is the red and blue have returned from their exile in Pittsburgh, New York. <laughs> exile is the right word. New, one of New York's most affluent communities. And <laughs> this is now their, their triumphant return from the gulag. The gulag uh, of Pittsburgh. So it very so well be. I, I do have to agree with you that it doesn't make sense if they're not going to wear red and blue. Right. And also, I, I think of the Bills is like, what are the Bills colors? I say red, white, and blue. I do too, yeah. Yeah, like that's... White, like is, white me, is as much a part of this equation as the red and blue are to me. That's I, I agree with that. I agree with that. They're having an identity crisis over at One Bills Drive in their marketing department, apparently. Josh came out with the metallic blue helmet. Last year, he did the red, which everyone mm-hmm. raved about. I didn't like it. I thought it looked cheesy. <laughs> like, honestly... Okay. Everyone like blew up as Josh came out like, oh my gosh, Josh is wearing a blue helmet. And I'm like, that <laughs> looks lame as hell. <laughs> not going to lie. Josh can do wrong. He's not perfect. I would what say, yeah, like, I think that we are trained as people of our generation because we've seen a lot of like clickbait and stuff online of people trying to, you know, use their creative juices through a Bill's lens. Sounds like a couple of guys I know to, you know, garner clicks or whatever they're trying to get. Chat GPT. Right. So I feel like I've seen that helmet, you know, a bunch of times Mm -hmm. on that, like some graphic artist created, but I always kind of like dismissed it because I'm like, well, this is just stupid and asinine and just, yeah. yeah. And like it, you know, yeah. So like, I thought it was dumb, especially in that context. And I guess I don't objectively like it either. I don't like how the gloss of the blue of the main part of the helmet is different than the charging buffalo itself. Yeah, it just looks kind of like like clickbait. Like what? Yeah, it's clear. That's I'm what just I'm gonna, trying to I was say. gonna say when you try to order a real Bills helmet on Wish. Yeah, 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 yes, that's a great way. That's what it. you get. Yeah, right. that's what you get. You get this weird. 
doesn't look right. The sticker looks off. Didn't feel like the bill's blue. It felt like a like a lighter shade, maybe due to the metallic nature of it. But uh, mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Sue me. Now, Tony, on the field, a couple things I noticed. One, Judge Dredd's Doran Williams getting in some extra work before the practice actually started. I like to see that. The young kid working at his craft, putting in the minutes, putting in the grind getting in some one-on-one work with the coaches. The second thing I noticed is the DKs are kind of like their own clique. The DKs, I mean Dalton, Dawson Knox. They were working to the side while others were going through various drills, but Knox and Kincaid were working on the side doing reaction tennis balls with the hands and different catching drills. Yes, a a drill I've seen a number of times. Yes, yes. But just them, just those two. They were okay. like in their own uh-huh. special group. There was no Quentin Morris. There was no Joel Wilson. It seems like the DKs are are what's fetch, right? Did I did <laughs> use that phrase correctly? Cool kids. Fetch is not going to happen no matter how much you try. <laughs> I would say. Have you notice this at training camp though? The DKs kind of being in their own little tight end bubble. I have not really quite seen that. I, I mean, I've seen all the tight ends working together with Coach Rob Boris. And I guess in hindsight, yeah, like I've, I've watched them do that like tennis ball thing a bajillion times. But I guess you're right in the sense that I, I can remember seeing Dawson Knox do it. I can remember seeing Don Kincaid do it. I don't know that I can remember seeing anybody else do it. So in that sense, yeah, maybe there's an isolation, at least in the, the sense that they, that they are the ones that work on their hands. But I feel like that's maybe circumstantial, too, because everybody else in the tight end room would probably be on special teams. They'd probably be on the kickoff team. Probably. It almost seemed like I put on Twitter, like it seemed like the DKs were sitting at the cool table and Quentin Morris and Joel Wilson and the other tight ends were like the nerdy group who were trying to sit with the cool kids. But the cool kids were just like, yeah, right. <laughs> go, go to the back corner where you belong. <laughs> that, that's I what I noticed. Like but I hope it's not like that either. But the thing I wanted to mention, this is why it kind of stood out to me, is everything I've read is Quinn Morris is having a pretty good camp. He's going to be on this team, according to you, mm-hmm. I think, in hashtag Tony to his yes. camp. So why isn't Quinn Morris part of uh, the DK click? Because he's, he's on... not a DK. <laughs> I would say that of any reason, that stands to reason. He's not a DK. QM's not not allowed. But no, I would say it's a combination of that he is dedicating his time on to special teams, or it seems like from what I've seen so far, and the reason that I've sort of been prompted towards saying, you know, I, I can't imagine a world where Quinn Morris is not on this team, is because he is in sort of like a flex, halfback, like overall offensive athlete, Reggie Gilliam kind right. of spot. Like I've seen him line up in the backfield on multiple occasions. So that kind of makes me think, you know, maybe he doesn't get invited to that. Or it's just a personal choice that the, the DKs are making that they want their hand-eye coordination to be to be top-notch or something. Elite. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Do you think Quentin Morris makes the team in the end? I really do, yes. I do, too. And, it, and it's crazy to me to think that because last year, the tight end group was a huge concern because it was Dawson Knox and really nobody. Right. Like, it was Quentin Morris, who was very unknown at the time. It was Reggie mm-hmm. Gilliam, who's this kind of hybrid fullback where they don't really use him in a tight end, but he can. He's the new Doran Dickerson. Let's just be real. Doran Dickerson wow. really paved the way. High for praise. Gilliam. Doran walks so Reggie Gilliam could run. 
Exactly. So Reggie Another Gilliam thing. can line up as a as a fullback. Right. Being a tight end. But when Quentin Morris was in last year, it's like I could see some good qualities. I liked his route running. I liked his athleticism. So and I think you mentioned it in an episode episode or two ago about how like once you're in, like Quentin Morris got on the roster last year, it's like your place is kind of set to a degree with the staff. So I, I do think it feels. Quentin Morris makes a team too. And what was once a huge concern in terms of positional groups, tight end last year, now seems like a huge strength. And really, what could be the positional group to make or break this season is how these tight ends perform. Well, that's the way they've been talking is about how important they would think Dalton Kincaid is going to be the offense. And so that means that everyone who's behind Dalton Kincaid also needs to be important to the offense in one situation or another. So if they're thinking that there's going to be like a major set of base 12 packages here, then yeah, Quentin Morris is going to be quite important. Is he in on every so special is, teams like first team? I mean, I don't know. That's kind of hard to keep up with what's going on over there oh, on special okay. teams, but they're at the second field. Nobody goes to the second field at training camp. Right. But no, I do think Quentin Morris can can carve out a spot because he does play special teams and does have yeah. that athleticism, Where, which I think is a very key theme. Speed and athleticism is a key theme to this year's Bills roster or how it's constructed. Yes. So Quentin Morris has that in spades. So I think he does stick, which will be nice to see because I think he deserves a spot. Dawson Knox has had a nice camp as well, from what I read. Is that what you're seeing being there live? I mean, yeah. Only on the first day was he concerning to me. Other than that, he's been pretty good. Has he looked as good as Dalton Kincaid? No, but they're two kind of, they're two different humans and two different types of athletes. If I'm looking for a more rough and tumble, but super talented, like fundamentally really, really good. Dawson Knox has been fundamentally excellent. And he has shown up every time he's been called to show up especially in the last like, you know, four or five practices. Sometimes you're just like, where's this ball going? And it's just going to Dawson Knox doing exactly what I would predict he's supposed to be doing. And that is scoring a touchdown, but he's not doing it like flashily, like Steph Diggs would be, you know, with moves and cuts and everything. He's just, he's just there doing it right. With Dalton Kincaid now in the mix. And if Dalton Kincaid is, and keep in mind, he is a rookie listener. So we have to, to quell our expectations a little. But even if Dalton Kincaid is 80% of what we expect him or expect he could be in his rookie year, Dawson Knox could be in line for a very nice season. Now, Dorsey's offense was good last year. The numbers back that up. But we thought it was good because of not being a product of a great offensive mind or a great offensive scheme, but a product of pure talent on the field. Now you add talent all over hopefully you upgraded the offensive line with that Eddie mcgovern with osiris torrens coming in you've upgraded at wide receiver i feel like you get a healthy gabe davis back you add dolan kincaid you add deontay hardy harris who is the type of player you didn't have last year or you maybe you were hoping to have in mckenzie mm-hmm. didn't really pan out you add Sherfield, who seems extremely reliable as a third fourth option and you improve your running game James Cook is, I would think, is a, even though I liked Devin Singletary, I thought he got a bad rap for no reason because he couldn't break away, he didn't have breakaway speed. Well, who cares? He got first downs and kept the ball moving. It's like money ball for football. Do you want to hit a home run every time? Yeah, but that's kind of hard to do. 
rather right. than guys on base who can score runs in a more frequent hit at a higher volume. That feels like Devin Singletary to me. He's not going to bust an 80-yard run, but he's going to keep moving the chains, and that's important for scoring touchdowns. But James Cook feels like a guy who can do both and is versatile. He can move the chains, but he can also hit a home run when the time is right. And he can also catch passes out of the backfield and turn those into some good yak. So is it safe to assume like this could be the best offensive season we've seen in the Josh Allen era? I thought you were saving your hot takes till later. This is bananas. But Anything's they were really possible, good last year and they don't have that. What, why not? What detracts you from anticipating that? Because A, I think that we've seen better offensive lines in the Josh Allen era. Really? B, Who? Yes, like two years ago. Who was on the line two years ago that is is better than who's on the line now? Well, I don't I don't think of it in in those terms. I just okay. think of it in in terms of consistency. And okay. I feel that That's we were, and I feel that we were more consistent in those year, years ago. Like in the height of Dable is when mm-hmm. I was seeing a little bit more consistency in in the O line than what I'm seeing certainly last year, but also you know in camp so far. And B, I mean, the people who beat the Bills are the Bills. And that's an issue yes. of, you know, that's that's Dorsey growth. That's growing pains of new coaches transitioning. That's growing pains of people coming in and out. And that's just whatever. That's like, there's a million factors and that go into that. So I haven't seen enough to convince me of, of that yet. But it could happen. Okay. But I wouldn't be wanting to say that until like, you know, week six. Okay. I think that's fair. And we always say on this this podcast, the Bills' biggest challengers to the Super Bowl are themselves. Yeah. They shoot themselves in the foot way too much, especially for a team who lost only three games last year by a total of eight points. When you're 13 and three, it shouldn't be as much of a struggle. And I think there's like this rock and a hard place where talent was clashing with mm-hmm. forceful nature. I don't even know how to describe it, but. No, I, I can understand that. I think that's a the fair point. But the talent on the field is, I think, there's no argue there where the talent is improved this year on the offensive side of the ball. And and I'm excited for that. Now, moving to the defensive side of the ball, Tony, when I saw the red and blue scrimmage, first of all, Shaq Lawson, he'll never be like a 10-sack guy. But man, okay. for no. what was a glorified walkthrough that night, pretty much, mm-hmm. especially on the defensive side of the ball, you know, they let the uh, offense execute plays and run their routes, and it, it was a walkthrough. But okay. every single play Shaq Lawson was in, he was bringing the energy. Like, he was pumped up for doing... When we when we went through our training camp tropes a couple episodes ago for our draft season, and one of ours was uh, the oohs and ahs from mundane plays, Shaq Lawson is the personification of the oohs and ahs. Like, he is oohing and eyeing himself every single play even though it's the most mundane thing because he is hyped up every single snap and i love that like for your fourth fifth defensive edge i feel like that's the guy you need i like what shaq lawson's bringing i'm not gonna write him off at all this year i think he's on this team and even if he's an insurance policy that's a darn good insurance policy to have I love the energy he brings, and I think he stated it himself this week where he's he said he's bringing that juice every day, which, again, confirmation from our podcast that they're drinking Huggies in the dorm. They're living that college lifestyle. Shaq's mm-hmm. the juice man. 
He's bringing the huggies every day for everyone. Love that. But liking Shaq Lawson. And then the bad side of the defense, Ed Oliver, and not for anything he did defensively. I've read he's been really good. I've seen clips that I've liked showing the flashy Ed Oliver that we've seen sporadically throughout his Bills tenure here. But for a guy that I've also read is battling some minor injuries, groin, hand, whatever, before the red and blue scrimmage, he was fielding punts from Sam Martin. So for a guy who has been plagued with the injury bug, whether it's minor or slightly more than minor for the past eh, three to five days, let's say, to put a window on it, why are you out there fielding punts at Oliver? You're a 300 pound dude. I don't want to see you like fielding punts and then like fake Barry Sanders juking. Mm-hmm. Like, no, this is this is the Josh chasing down Puna Ford pick six discussion all over again. If you are not involved and you don't need to be involved, I know you're having fun, and we, we don't. I don't want to be the the Debbie Downer police here for the Bills, but. If you're battling injuries already at Oliver, I don't need you out there fielding punts for no reason. That's all I'm saying. So, Tony, first of all, bring it back to Shaq. What do you think about Shaq Lawson? You liking his game? You seeing good things from him in camp? And then uh, at Oliver, why is he fielding punts? Give me your two cents. Yes, I will give you. I will give you the mini version to go on theme. So, Shaq Lawson, consistent, already in the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've seen enough. I think he's on the team. I agree with you. Can't go wrong with Shaq. Also, more importantly with Shaq, what do we know about Shaq and Jordan Phillips? The separated the at birth. Yeah. What's it? Yeah. What's a way? What's like something? I'm trying to think of like an old show like that has like a pairing like that, like the gruesome twosome, but that's not what it would be. The Bash Brothers. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like a Bash Brothers type. Thing. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put it. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out in a full episode. So, the, <laughs> what do we know about them? It's that they love and always make the most of the atmosphere in that stadium that's why they love buffalo that's why they talk up buffalo etc etc like that's the return of red and blue the return of red and blue is basically the return of Shaq and jordan getting all psyched up about being in the atmosphere that they are in right so he's probably just like being super overzealous and like feeling the natural high of it all and that's part of it and that's okay I respect that move. You know, um, it was at Albert too. He's feeling overzealous. He's feeling the crowd and the environment. Maybe. By the way, yeah, Bill's maybe. Mafia, like 30,000 for a scrimmage. Kudos to you. Uh huh. At Oliver, as Dawson Knox said earlier in this offseason, like it's always fun to do something that's not usually in your job description, like of your position. So I'm right. glad that at Oliver had that, had that opportunity. But I am of the same mind as you of like, I would have rather have skipped it. Is it worth the risk? Probably not. This goes back to the conversation I remember having with you about some video that went around of like Josh chugging a beer. And I'm like, no beer. Your body's a temple. You need to be the fortress that <laughs> that we know you are. Right. So, yeah, I guess not into it. Not worth the risk. But I also respect that everything is like everything is a balance of safety versus fun. I think there's some intrinsic mindset with these players of like, I do the same thing pretty much while playing this game right if i'm a defensive edge i'm rushing the passer 90 percent of the time it's pretty repetitive in terms of what these players do even josh he goes under center and shotgun takes the snap reads the play like throws the ball like it's a pretty repetitive sport from a positional standpoint so i think 
there's some intrinsic mentality that these players have, especially during kind of a funner, more loose environment like the return of the red and blue scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Of like, I'm going to go field punts. I never get to do that. I want to go do that. Right. Or Josh Allen. I'm going to chase down this pick six because I rarely get to do that. Or I'm going to go play cornerback. Josh, Josh Allen, we've seen videos of him playing cornerback defending passes. Whereas we're sitting here like, don't do any of this. There's a risk you could <laughs> yeah. get hurt. Guys get hurt doing much less. Get serious right. injuries doing much less. You step the wrong way doing something as simple as running and you can tear an ACL. So mm-hmm. just don't just do don't. that. <laughs> and I think it's like our perspective is a lot different than theirs because we only know them as oftentimes you might be in a position where you are completely defined by your injury. So like if you're injured, like like Von Miller, what he's defined by his injury right now. Like that's everything about Von Miller is irrelevant because he's injured. Oh yeah. And it's and the but and the just, only question just ask is, Kevin Cobb. <laughs> right. And the only yeah, and the only question defined is why is Von coming back. Right. So because we don't see them always in the best terms of like or in the most humane terms, kind of like take away the humanity a little bit as fans and players and athletes and etc. So it's easy for us to be scared thereby of, well, we don't want Josh to become one of those people, one of those injured players that then we have, that then we're hindered by. We all are all victimized. Yeah. We're all victimized by Josh's injury. Even if he's injured for like a week. Right. God help us. It's I'm the victim there. Yes, that is right. Yes, exactly. We're all the victim of Josh gets hurt. (laughs) The way this backup quarterback situation is playing out. Tony, that's, those are my observations from the Red and Blue scrimmage. Like I said, pretty mundane experience on the field. And it was just the flashy stuff, like the offensive, offense scoring touchdowns and showing up for the kids. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's about. Yeah, it's about the kids. But good to see the the Bills back. And like I said, Bills Mafia turning out, turning out in in their red and blue for a scrimmage was uh, quite a sight to see. So that's all my thoughts is, Glad to see them back. Uh, nobody really stood out. Nobody really looked bad. There's a couple drop passes. The one thing that maybe was the most hurtful, really a punch to the gut for myself being there, literally the first punt they practiced, Khalil Shakir muffed, uh, which wasn't great. It, it hurt me quite a bit. Like yeah. if, a, if I was a voodoo doll and someone was poking me right in the heart, that one stung a little. And it didn't seem like... Shakir after that, and maybe this has transitioned over to St. John Fisher, saw a lot of punt return snaps, host the muff punt. Uh, we saw L.A. Evans back there. We saw I saw Isabella back there. It seems like Isabella is starting to make some waves a little in special teams, which That's goes, back to my, goes back to my hot take a couple episodes ago of like, this is the Tavon Austin hype train. Like, I I see a path for Andy Isabella to make this team and it's coming to fruition now. So I'll just, I'll keep an eye on that one for the old Matt was right bank. Uh-huh. But again, just a mundane walkthrough pretty much, but good to see the guys back on the field. Even though there wasn't a lot of red, there was more blue and this weird white that they didn't even advertise. So Tony, we got some training camp talk to finish up and we're going to give listeners our hot takes, but first we can't, Despite this being a mini episode, exclude Marv, the vibe. We got to throw it to Marv. (laughs) I need the vibe. The the man is 90 plus years old. He comes here every week. 
to record. We can't just shun him like that. We can't say, Marv, thanks for coming, but we're not going to use you this week. Yeah, he puts a lot of effort into this. We he need to use all him. the way from Chicago <laughs> to record. Yes. Yeah. To my basement. He Ubers all you the think. way here. Sharice Wright style. Right. You would think coming from Chicago, he'd be like, well, I'm going to go to Buffalo and record with Matt. But no, he goes through Buffalo to mm-hmm. Rochester to record. We got to get this guy on the air. He's just sitting, waiting patiently. He's a saint. He's a saint. That's all we could say. He <laughs> truly is. He truly is. Take it away. We'll be back with our hot takes after the break. Go, go. Bills fight. Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Uh, Tony, before we get into our hot takes, one story that did pop up this week in training camp as we say our goodbyes to St. John Fisher. A pretty notable skirmish. There's been a couple skirmishes. It seems to be centered a majority of the time around one player. And that one player is being mm. is Kyer Elam. Uh, earlier yep. in the week, he got into a fight with Trent Sherfield. We saw today or yesterday, Stefan Diggs had some choice words for Kyer Elam because he's getting too handsy. Can't be too it was today out there, Kyer. It was today, today, Matt. And I can tell you, like, it was... Was it awkward? I, I, I think the way I tweeted it is that practice completely derailed when this event happened. This was like two kids in class bickering and like it escalates before the teacher intervenes. And then there mm-hmm. is just no more. There's just no more class. Like it is, <laughs> the class, it is, is class is canceled. Yeah. Like it is irreparable in terms of the entire dynamic. And that's kind of what it was like today. They fought. Diggs was like seemingly hurt or at least in some sort of pain on the sideline mm-hmm. and he's like he, the, it's emotional pain and it's physical pain and the trainers didn't see it right away because they were working on leonard floyd testing out his it seemed like something with his knee uh to make sure that it was safe Ooh, don't tell and me it that was no it, okay. it, it was he i don't know like every really? test that they had him do every way that they had pushed him like he he passed every test and then it just seemed fine so anyway they were working on him and then all of a sudden steph is just over there and then like one person goes and sees Steph and then they all like sprint over and then all, and then they walk Steph over like across the field. Cause he was on the defensive side of the field. And then all of a sudden I like a one rep happens in practice. And then Steph is all of a sudden like in the middle of the field and he's making his way over to blue. And then I just see him like kind of like has his arms around the waist of Kyer Elam who's on one knee. And I can't tell if it's an encouragement, like, Hey, don't sweat it like it happens to all of us. Or if it's mm-hmm. words of he's pissed. Yeah. And then I find out it's words of he's pissed because they're kind of like at each other now and they're jawing and like other people are chiming on the sideline. And then all of a sudden practice cannot continue in the middle of the field. And then Steph goes back over there. And then by the time Steph is back over on his sideline, they've done like one or two more reps. And then both sides are at each other. And it also took you know, like minutes between reps before everyone yeah. had their head on their shoulders and like had things taken care of. The Elam Diggs thing was a distraction. It was rough and they deserve anything that they got because it was not how teammates act. Grow up, you two. That's what I'm saying. It's a beef. Trying to win a Super Bowl out here. You guys are hand slapping each other, playing hot hands. What do you think it is with Kyrie Elam? Two incidences this week. Is it him trying to put his stake in the ground of this CV2 job is mine and I'm I'm going to make an impression. And maybe no. that means getting a little handsy. Maybe that means getting a little 
too aggressive? Or is it the flip side of maybe he's frustrated? Maybe he's frustrated as a first round pick in year two that he's in this what seems like a never ending battle for playing time with him, Dane Jackson, and Christian Ben for more power. So what do you think um, it my, is? is? Do you think it, it, it him trying to stake his claim to that role, or was it a frustration thing? My speculation is that it's it's neither of those. My speculation is that Kyer Elam is a... Um, Jerk? No. Kyer Elam okay. is a loaded gun without a safety. Kyer Elam oh. is a, is a machete without a sleeve. Oh, wow. Okay. Like in a in positive sense, way? It's a blessing. Like we're in and the jungle curse. and the brush is high. And these are terrible analogies. We'll come up with a better one, I think. <laughs> That's what this podcast is all about. Because what Being I'm terrible, saying yeah. is, you know, yeah. What I'm saying is that Kyrie Elam is so like out of control athletic, but he like okay. doesn't have the mechanics so yet. But he has always kind of like been able to get by on just being uber athletic and his his natural athleticism that he's sort of out of control and so i think what mm. it causes is sometimes it causes you know an over physicality that maybe because he's bebopping and scatting all over the place he's just his arms and legs and limbs are just loose cannons that he's not that fundamentally sound enough to do it like a professional yet i, I like that take i also can see him kind of looking at other cornerbacks last year and this year and the off seasons for all we know and what we think, and we have evidence that he still does this. He keeps a very mm. descriptive, robust notebook of wide receivers of other cornerbacks and what they do to be successful, like things that can help him be successful. He keeps notes on taps on. So I wouldn't be surprised if he sees a guy like Sauce Gardner drafted the same year. Already has a chip mm-hmm. on his shoulder because Sauce was drafted higher than him, as any player would, right? Like, why is this guy right. drafted higher than me? I'm, I'm better than him. That's the mentality. And it should be. But sure, a lot of talk last year is Sauce Gardner is getting away with a lot of holding, a lot of handsy stuff. And maybe that's the new NFL. Maybe because of his stature, being a high draft pick, commanding the respect right away as a rookie, that Sauce Gardner is able to get handsy. So maybe Kair just thinks, oh, maybe this is the way the cornerback position is now being played. Refs are going to call it less. I can get away with more. If I'm going against one of the top receivers in the league every day in Stefan Diggs, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get a little handsy. I'm going to grab a little. Mm. I'm going to get under his skin, under his pads frustrate him maybe that's what Kyrie thinks is the new way to play or is the way the right. quarterback position is moving towards i don't hate I could this see take that either well. that makes a lot of sense i i could definitely see that i could see that i think i think there's a lot of factors i i think what i just stated was one i think it could be a frustration thing where he thinks that that he should be gifted the starting role but that he's played well enough especially at the end of last year to mm-hmm. earn it I think there could be some frustrations lingering from last year of him being what we presume is benched where we, he was right. hurt, didn't get as many snaps as he probably would have liked or the experience he would have liked last year. I think there's a lot of factors that could probably be going into these kind of skirmishes or 
or the tensions being raised. And now Kyrie sees his chance maybe in front of him of staking his claim. Like, oh, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. getting first team reps today. I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to make my mark. They're going to remember me, whether it's for making a play or whether it's for frustrating the other receiver because that could that could be valuable as well okay you take a you take a holding call one out of the 10 times but you get away with it the nine other times and those nine other times you get under the opposing receiver's skin get him frustrated maybe he takes a penalty for some reason because of something dumb or maybe he mentally doesn't remember how to to run the correct route because you're frustrated so i could see that like football is such a nitpicky game like that i could totally mm-hmm. see where kyers maybe using this to his advantage so i i kind of like it i i think he should be frustrated he should feel like that is his spot and he's not giving it up whether it's getting into a fight with your number one receiver or making an interception like he's he's making an impact he's making us talk about him he's making us remember him so I, I kind of like the tenacity and the aggressiveness and the sharp machete out of its sleeve analogy that you used. Worked out well for, I don't know. We used the machete in the movies. Rambo? Machete. Did he? <laughs> or he I feel the like guy from the movie guy. Machete named Machete. Oh, not, uh, that's a movie I'm not familiar with. Oh, yeah. Danny Trejo. Oh, Danny Trejo. Okay. Yeah. Danny Trejo. Yes. Solid, solid like a B film like purposefully grindhouse kind of movie. It's good. All right. Check it out if you haven't. Listeners too. Tony, let's get into some hot takes though. As All right, we, here we do go. on this is the real meat of the episode here. We're getting as yeah. we do on this only podcast, of course. It only took us an hour. <laughs> what a less. But we'll finish up with our hot takes here. As we do on this podcast, as listeners know, put our own little spin on it. We're not just gonna give you canned answers like I think Josh Allen's going to eclipse 5,000 yards. Like, that's boring. Everyone boring. Talks about that. Boring. We'll give you one real hot take, one we actually think might happen, one outlandish hot take, one that has a low probability of happening, and then, of course, one witty hot take. Tony, I'll kick it off. with. We'll start with the real. One real okay. hot take I have. Real hot take. Your thoughts on Real hot take. I think Dalton Kincaid will end the season with more catches and touchdowns than Gabe Davis, essentially oh. making Dalton Kincaid the second best receiver on this team. I could see that happening. I, I thought you were going to say then Dawson Knox. And I was like, okay, yeah. But yes, I like the heat of this take that you brought in by having Gabe Davis being here. And I, I agree with you. Like if we're saying who's going to be the second most important weapon on this offense. I agree with you. I, I think that the scene is set for that to be Dalton Kincaid. So I like, I like where your head's at, Matt. I like it. I and just it's just hot enough. It's just hot enough. It's just tickling the twine here. It's just a little spicy, but everything we've seen from Dalton Kincaid highlight real plays, one-handed catches that aside, it is very clear that he is going to be a huge part of this offense and a huge part of this offense right from the get-go, at least to me. I don't know what you're seeing live at camp, everything I read, and maybe it's just the hype train moving a little too fast from the media team and the editorials from what I read, but I'm I'm buying it. He looks super smooth when I watch him in the scrimmage. Just He looks the part. He looks like he is ready to go 
right away. And history is not on his side. We know that. Very rarely do tight end rookies come in and make a very significant impact on an offense in their first year. But I think Don Kincaid has the tools and has the attitude. Yes, there's going to be a learning curve. And yes, there's going to be bumps in the road. But he looks ready. He looks the part. And I think he's he has the right mentality of like, I'm not just a rookie. I'm going to make an impact on this team and I'm going to make it right away. I would say that's fair. And of course, that's what I'm seeing. I mean, Don Kincaid is for real. And I like what you said about how there's not a good track record of rookie tight ends, but we're over here, you know, challenging math itself. And we know that with the the, when it comes to the bills, math has been wrong before. So Josh Allen, yeah, yes, exactly. So I look forward to Dalton Kincaid's. I look forward to whatever Dalton Kincaid is gonna is gonna do, is gonna bring to the table because it's he's an exciting player and I'm excited about it. And if they do it right, then yeah, he's probably gonna end up uh, as a major focal point of this offense and maybe eclipse whatever Gabe Davis brings to the table. And also, yeah, Gabe Davis tell. is probably gonna end up with more wear and tear on his body because we're talking about a starting wide receiver versus a backup tight end. Very true. Very true. So, Good, great point. And mm-hmm. that's not, and this isn't to say like I'm down on Gabe Davis. He, from everything I read, he looks healthy. He looks good in camp. I think Gabe Davis is going to be an important part of this offense as well. Mm-hmm. I just think like you get this new shiny toy. You want to play with it right away. Yeah. Don't that's get what I think that new shiny we'll, toy. We'll see that on Friday in the games. Yes. And I, uh, but I would also say, you know, every weapon is having a great camp. Every starting weapon is having a great camp. Like all the hype, the most hyped players are all the starting weapons. So within that, I think that, and I think that that's also part of the Dalton Kincaid effect. Like this is a little bit of a push to everybody else because they know that, you know, obviously it's a push to Dawson Knox, but what have we been seeing? We've been seeing Dawson Knox having amazing camp, but it's a push to every offensive weapon who's going to be out there not vying for reps and for targets. I'm ready for the Dalton Kincaid experience to uh, to take full effect here. So excited to see him in the preseason. Excited to see him when the actual games start week one against the Jets here. In just under a month by the time you listen to this episode. So right around the corner. Tony, your uh, real hot take for the 2023-2024 season. Well, my real hot take is is a little bit of a contrast to yours. Uh, okay. Yours was very exciting and positive and cheery, and we're all excited about DK. Okay. Mine is mine is not that. Mine is cheery or positive. <laughs> mine is negative and dreary. Of course. Uh, my prediction, my hot take, is that this season we will see for the first time Josh Allen miss a start and oh, miss okay and this miss, and miss multiple. This goes hand in hand with my one outlandish take. So, oh, interesting. Let's let's, okay. let's talk about this. My one outlandish take was Kyle Allen or Matt Barkley, one of the backups, will help the Bills win a game this season that has an impact on the playoffs. So this kind of goes hand in hand. So let's let's talk about this. Oh, interesting. Okay, yes, let's do it. Uh, it starts with the offensive line and their failure, and now the scene is set. Yeah, <laughs> for... yeah we're very worried about them. Yeah, we're very worried. And so now the scene is set for what I would say, you know, I have concerns about of the long-term availability of our own Josh Allen. Um, And so, I mean, you know, it's bound to happen eventually. And I feel like we've been on borrowed time the whole time anyway. So yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think the season is finally going to happen. 
Yeah, it feels like we've been on borrowed time. Even last year when he he injured his elbow, he didn't miss any time. <laughs> like right, right. It felt like that was the time shitty. he should have missed time. He yeah. just played shitty through it. But that's the thing. Like shitty Josh Allen is still probably better. Or I I take a million times out of a million over like a healthy over Kyle Allen at this point. A healthy Case Keenum. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that, too, because we're recording this Thursday night. The NFL preseason officially kicked off. We had the Hall of Fame game last week, which, you know, is kind of a no nothing game. But preseason officially kicked off tonight with the Texans and the Patriots. And Case Keenum is the Texans third string quarterback since they drafted C.J. Stroud. They still have Davis mm. Mills. So I'm kind of thinking like. When we talk about the backup quarterback situation, like nobody really looks that good. Kyle Allen's been disappointing and not that a backup quarterback should be exciting or you should think like, wow, he's a really good backup quarterback. Because guess what? 98% of the backup quarterbacks in this league are kind of just Kyle Allen's. They're not very good. Right. <laughs> if your starter if your starter goes down, your playoff chances dwindle drastically. But I'm thinking like, oh, since the Texans drafted CJ Stroud and maybe if the Kyle Allen or Matt Barkley thing, they're not totally comfortable with going into the season like case keenum's gonna be cut right like they're not gonna keep him around as a third stringer yeah that's a good point like is case keenum you could just get him back the kind of player yeah is case keenum the kind of player you want on a practice squad i don't think so like i no, think he's too i think he's too valuable for that right someone's gonna poach him like he's better than yeah. Bar- like barkley's the perfect practice squad guy because he's not good enough where somebody feels the need right. to poach him from you like Case Keenum, I think, is good enough to be poached. Yes, I think so, too. That's what I'm saying. And there's no way the Texans keep, if Stroud's their starter and Davis Mills is their backup, there's no way they keep three on the roster. Well, Maybe they do. I don't know. I was going to say, I have, a, I have a bonus hot take to add into this, and that is that I think that they do. Interesting. And I think that I, part of I'd the value surprised. of doing that, of ensuring that, is having the veteran presence in the quarterback room with two young quarterbacks. I think you need it, so I think I they guess. do it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, for a team that isn't really going to do anything this year, I mean, their window, they, they still, they're still two, three years away. Like, is there mm-hmm. really a point to keep a veteran QB in the QB? I don't know. Or to keep him on the roster even and take up a roster spot? Possibly. But I was just kind of, it was in the back of my head of like, Case Keenum's their third string and they cut Case Keenum. Like, we could just get him back. Like, that wouldn't be hard. Right. Right. And so, I would be in favor. Yeah, I think we all would, based on what I read and I'm sure of what you see at camp. Ne- neither Kyle Allen nor Matt Barkley uh, look good, but that's why it's outlandish for me because I think the talent on this team is so great that if Kyle Allen or Matt Barkley do have to go in, they could win a game. We've seen this with Matt Barkley. Yeah. came in two years ago, was it, to the Jets playing against I was the Jets? Say, off the the Jets game is what I always think of. Yeah wins the game week 17 against Miami last game of the regular season against Miami comes in and Miami's fighting for a playoff spot just destroys that team like the talent around these guys despite them not being great quarterbacks is so great that I think if called upon they could somehow win a game and that game could have an impact on either our playoffs or our seeding in the playoffs. If we're like, I just feel like that if we combine our two thoughts here, like Josh Allen, yeah, a lot of wear and tear. You're exactly right. And I agree with you hundred percent. Feels like we're on borrowed time and we pray to God, we knock on wood that there's no major 
nothing major happens to Josh Allen. Um, right. If he didn't sit out like a play or two, or like when Chad Henney had to come in for Patrick Mahomes in that playoff game for like a quarter, I think it was, and mm-hmm. he won the game for him. Just that kind of scenario. Like maybe Kyle Allen or Barkley have to go in for a quarter and just maybe lead one drive for a field goal, and they can do that. Right. So that's all I'm saying. They'll help us in some way win a game. I can I see mean, that. Play I think out. that's fair. Yes. I can see that playing out too. I mean, I hope it plays out that way. If if the unspeakable happens and my hot take is correct, I hope to God they help us win a game. Like I hope we still win. Obviously. We we want to win here. That's the that's the end goal. Right. I don't want to be in like take. a Nate, Nate Peterman situation where he's in and I'm just like, Yeah, we have no chance. Hey, yes, this guy's the worst. Right. I don't care if you put like the greatest players around Nate Peterman. He's not winning you a football game unless it's like a blizzard somehow. Mm-hmm. And Joe Webb, the third is there. He was a part of that game. He's a big part. He was. He was the hero of that game, I would argue. Yes, I could argue that. Some could argue that. Tony, since we uh, covered my outlandish, let's just move right to your one outlandish hot take for the 2023-2024 season. Okay, my outlandish hot take is that Mine is more positive in this respect. My outlandish hot take is that our own Ken Dorsey will grow tremendously this year as an offensive coordinator and as a play caller. It will all click for him. The mesh of the 12 personnel, the 11 and a half personnel is exactly what the doctor ordered for him to hang his hat on. He Mm -hmm. will have a great offense this season, enough so that he will get hired as a head coach by another team after this season. And tight ends coach Rob Boris will take over as the future offensive coordinator. Not Joe Brady. Not Joe Brady. That's that's what makes that's what brings the heat to the take. Yes. Is that not Joe yes. Brady, who was brought in seemingly as the heir apparent, but it will in the end end up being Rob Boris, who does Especially a lot since of work. Joe Brady is sabotaging from the inside as the mole. Yes, exactly. Well, that's how it fucking goes. Karma's a bitch in Buffalo. Talk to me more about Rob Boris. What are you? What are your thoughts? Well, uh, I think he's good. I always like his energy when I watch him coach at camp. It seems to me like the way practice is set up, and maybe you saw this in the return of blue and white and red scrimmage, is that there's like a period in the middle of camp that's it's like the offense working very very slow against no defense, but against there is a defensive line made up of of backup offensive linemen, and basically mm-hmm. it seems like they're doing a lot of standing around. But I think that what's happening is like they're installing new plays. And they'll be like, these are three new plays that we're installing. And then what happens is so then they do that at like at like 5% speed. And they just kind of like in, to learn that new play. And then they bring in the defense and they like actually do the plays after running them just themselves. And they do the plays like against another group of humans. But what I've seen today is like Boris is really like a part of that. Like he's like oftentimes explaining to other members of the offense the situation with these plays, not just tight end. So I look at that as, you know, this is a coach that has been consistently with the team, knows the offense over the years, has been respected, is going to have a, as part of this theory, like the only way this theory works out is the success of Dalton Kincaid. So he will have sort of like that feather in his cap on being, you know, the coach that developed Dalton Kincaid. And then that will kind of like build his name around the league because that seems to be how it goes, that he will be more of a sought-after commodity. 
and mm-hmm. we'll have an opportunity for him. So we'll just do it. So we'll just give it, be the people that give him that set opportunity. Tony, have we been bamboozled? Have we, have we been put in a swerve here? Because Rob Boris was the 2015 LA Rams, formerly St. Louis Rams, but now LA Rams offensive coordinator. Right. That's the last time he was the offensive coordinator. He's got who experience. Yes, Come he on, has experience, man. but who was yeah. the quarterback for that 2015, 2016 Rams team? Case Keenum. Oh my God. Is Joe Brady not the one sabotaging? Is Rob Boris the one sabotaging from the inside? Have we been bamboozled here? I mean, our witty jokes about coaches sabotaging from the inside. Yes, I would say a new theory has emerged. The cream has risen to the top. I would top say here. so. I would say I would say so. Yes. If Rob Boris takes over, Case Keenum comes back. Interesting. It's really all Interesting about Case Keenum. Interesting here. It's it like, really is. It's like the whole league is organized in a way that brings Case Keenum back to Buffalo. I, I think so. And guess, and guess what we haven't had uh, this year, Tony? We didn't get a fun um, man in disguise video from a Bills player oh my gosh. like we did Case oh Keenum my last year. Gosh. Yeah, what the fuck, Kyle Allen? Get your, get your yeah. shit together. What are you That's doing? Very is, good, this, yeah, that, is this that a is vacation a for point. you, Kyle Allen? Right. Because it seems yeah. that way. It does seem that way. Like just coming to hang out with your friend. Yeah, just coming to hang out with your known, best buddy, who you are known to vacation with. Yeah, who brings you on? You're his at work now. It's time to get YouTube serious. shows. Right. Brings you on vacation with him and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Whoever that girlfriend is. You know, whoever that girlfriend is. No, you, you got to put in time. some work, Kyle Allen. You got to dress up in a fake mustache and a bucket hat and uh, ask for autographs from unsuspecting players. Yeah, you know, it's Kyle Allen may have won over. Josh Allen in the draft process, but he has not hasn't won, won over, over Tony. He hasn't won over us yet. He nope. has not won over me. Not at all. Or the rest of Bill's Mafia. A lot of the rest of our witty tiny house here. Yes. Witty City is Witty City is against you at yeah. this point. Kyle Allen yeah, is like, welcome. I also like this Witty idea City. of in our podcast lore, we have like a villain on the team that we've created. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah, it really is. I feel like Kyle Allen's a good villain. He's, I think a, so too. Um, he's a he's like a Justin Hammer. That's a deep Marvel pull for you. Yeah, I don't know what that Marvel is, but... fans out there like the like the good looking businessman who turns out to be like maniacal and crazy villain. Mm. Like that's Kyle Allen, kind of subtle at first and in the background. Yeah, th- that's our villain. Kyle Allen, you're, yep. you're our villain. Congrats. Yeah. About Congrats. time you did something. Yeah. The Lex Luthor of Witty City is here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ready to destroy. Speaking of witty, my one witty hot take. And this, I, I feel like we're kind of just playing off each other tonight, Tony. Like your outlandish kind of goes into my witty in terms of wow. Ken Dorsey's offense. It's jazz. It's jazz tonight, baby. This is this has got the art of song and dance written all over it. My oh, witty boy. take. And you talked about in your outlandish take, Ken Dorsey's evolution and. And all that jazz to bring it back oh. to that term. Uh, my my one witty hot take is as part of his new creative offense, Ken Dorsey will implement many trick plays as we've seen in practice so far with a pseudo Philly special. But Ken Dorsey will install many trick plays into this offense. One of those trick plays will be Dawson Knox lifting Deontay Hardy Harris 
up flash dance style in the air to rise above the opposing secondary and catch a touchdown. What are we waiting for? This is the kind of play that should have been like, you're telling me Ken Dorsey is a professional offensive coordinator and it takes Matt Greco to come up with this play. This is obvious what should be happening. Listeners, this is a great idea. Them, this is yes. And you know, gonna revolutionize from, from flash dance. Well, yes, but you know what inspired me to get to that point to get to that uh, when they reference when they lift when they lift Josh up and touchdown celebration. No, actually, that would make sense. It would, but that's not what. Okay, it is. I okay. was watching a little eh, kind of under the radar Will Ferrell movie, but it's very very funny called Kicking and Screaming. Yes, I don't of know course. if you've seen it, listeners. If you've seen yes, it, yes, I have. There's a, a uh, there's a little little kid who is very miniature sized and there is a giant kid same age uh, just very different physical statures from each other and at one point during their game the giant kid picks up the little kid puts him on his shoulders and heads the ball in for a goal and i'm like man that would be a great football play it makes sense another player elevated if one player elevated another player so high above any kind of opposing defense that it was impossible for them to even jump up and deflect a ball or intercept a ball. Like, why haven't we done this yet? On any Hail Mary, Dawson Knox run into the end zone, bend down in a squatting position. Deontay Hardy is going to get on your shoulders and catch the ball. You're going to become like a nine foot tall human being. Yeah. We talked, we talked last week about well giants intimidation with the indigestion tablets. Like, we need to start doing more of that and becoming a nine-foot-tall human being by Voltroning yourself on top of one another. Why hasn't this been implemented yet? I mean, I think we need I to do Ken more Dorsey of this should as be a, the trendsetter here. I think we need to do more of this as a society. I mean, you never see <laughs> yeah. two kids in a trench coat on each other's shoulders anymore. You never see it anymore. You only see Muppets. <laughs> I, 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 I know. Yeah, exactly. It was the old Muppets gag. I like how you say you only see Muppets. Like, that's the modern version of this. A reference for, from 40 <laughs> years ago when they did this in that movie. <laughs> still still plays. Still plays. So, yeah, I know it does. Yeah. So who am I to criticize, I guess? A couple more of my outlandish ones. I'll just throw them at you because I, I think you'll enjoy them. We don't have to comment on them any further. But uh, I had two more. Uh, Jordan Poyer's wife will lead an insurrection of the Bill's wags. When a new WAG president and Haley Steinfeld is brought into the group. So am I led to believe that you think that with Britney out as Queen B, you think that uh, Rachel Bush is the new Queen B? That's what you think is happening? No, I'm not saying that at all. Okay. I'm thinking Rachel I can't Bush. can't it. Ju- just as it parallels the political world we live in currently, or in the past in this case, Rachel Bush thinks she should be the Queen B just by seniority i guess by entitlement in this case oh, okay uh-huh. by entitlement and entitlement and will lead an insurrection of the bill's wags when the new rightful wag queen Haley steinfeld is brought into the group officially i, I that's what i'm saying this... i don't think rachel rachel bush rachel bush just thinks she should be the queen right because she's entitled to it right i mean i have to imagine the wags hate her you think so i don't uh... Uh, i mean i'm just saying i have to imagine i don't know I, I think it's all love saying, I, I, I have to imagine it for my own safety and sense for my own like emotional for my own emotional balance. Yeah. I have to imagine that that's what happens for your own sanity. Right. Yes. Um, 
so that was my one other outlandish one and then my third one was uh puna ford reveals he is living a men in black like situation where a little alien is living inside what? of him controlling his oh okay okay Okay, that's pretty because outlandish. You're really going for the outlandish one on that. I'm one. really going for the outlandish. I'm just trying to put some some things recently discovered uh, together here. One, the uh, a- aliens are apparently real. Yeah, apparently. This was news apparently. to you? Come on. I still don't believe it. But anyway, oh my gosh. the government seems to believe it now. Uh, aliens are real. And Puna Ford is an anomaly of a sized human being. Like he's like five foot seven, 310 pounds. Yeah. I don't think humans are supposed to be built like that. So it makes sense that he's like an alien in some way. I'm just trying to connect the dots here on some, connect the dots. Okay. On some recent discoveries. Right. So you're, the dots you're connecting is that aliens are real. There's more life forms in the universe than on earth. Right. Thus, the dot you connect next is that, well, he's, too heavy to be that short thus and short yeah must be one of those aliens it must yes. be from another planet to assimilate with the lifestyle of the the real humans he has taken on the skin of puna ford yeah yes yeah i mean that adds up it all makes sense it to adds me. up all right those are my other outlandish ones uh tony or witty ones tony what is your one witty one as we wrap up the episode here um, I outlandish hot take. I hope this isn't too predictable, but my, or I should say my witty hot take. I hope it's not too predictable, but I know that in light of other recent events, we know the growing, uh, the growing tension between the likes of Kyer Elam and Steph Diggs. Mm-hmm. And this is when we, and you know, we've seen this, we've seen Kyer Elam be an agitator before. There's only one is that my, my take is that this will be settled within the year uh, and it will be settled in the only way that our potential victim knows how to settle things. And that is with the arbitrator, Steve Harvey himself. We're going to see the Elams versus the Diggs. The Elam family versus the Diggs family will have it out (laughs) on the family feud. And that is the way that we will decide this, this tension. I love um, the idea that Stefan Diggs is only getting into these skirmishes as a way to propel himself back onto family. Like his goal in life is to try to get back onto family feud and everything he does attributes to that goal. Yeah. Everything is working your way back to the feud. Right. And he had a <laughs> bad performance to... last time. So like he's got a chip on his shoulder about it. Right. So, oh, I'm going to have a skirmish with a teammate. It, the only reason I'm doing this, it's not real. I don't dislike Kyrie Lum. Like, we're buddies. We're teammates. The only reason we're acting this way is to get on the family feud. I, to I get like on the this. feud. Yeah. Their families are ready. They're in cahoots. It's all just to get the Elams and the Diggs on the feud. Back on and the it would feud. Be a great, it would be a great battle, too, because it would be Kyrie, Abram, Matt, his uncle, his father. Like, you can bring those guys. Steph yeah. and, and Trayvon. And yeah, we know like the, the families. family. Yeah, like I mean, it, it, I'm just saying it wouldn't be like Kair and Steph, and then four random people on each side, like Uncle Uncle Dave or you know, oh, right. somebody random. No. It would actually be known people, so this could work out really well. Could and will when could and will this all gets settled. I I, I actually love this idea. <laughs> I love the idea, especially because we know like Stefan Diggs is is kind of 
for lack of a better term, a character. I feel like he does things just to kind of play into a narrative. I think it all started yeah, I with would say that. Yes. the locker room uh, video from his Minnesota Vikings days of all the players naming him as to who they wouldn't let date their sister. Right. I think Stefan saw that go viral and is like, oh, I can play this. Like, yeah, I'm just going to be it. this character. I'm going to lean into it. You know, all this stuff I do, going to bar mitzvahs randomly, like just mm-hmm. is all to play into this character, being on Family Feud as much as possible, all to lean into this character. I could I could totally see all this just being kind of an act for lack it's of a ruse. It's, it's a, a ruse, ruse that we all benefit from. I'm here for it. All like, kind I, of it. I will support it. I will yeah. support the ruse. Yeah, I think this is a, I don't even I don't even say this is a witty take. I think this could actually have like some legs. <laughs> I mean, as we're talking it out, it's adding up. It is adding up as we're talking it out. As many things do. Like, I feel like that's another crux of this podcast is like we throw things out there and then kind of walk it back where we get to a point of like, oh, yeah, like that's not so outlandish. This could actually be true. Like Gabe Davis does need glasses. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's outlandish from the jump. But when we talk it out. And we start connecting some things. Not so crazy. Not so crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. If we were trying to be funny, <laughs> no, then that would this be one not thing. The, but we're not. We're not the right we platform. Just, we just treat. Yes, exactly. We truly are here. We're here to be witty, and a lot of that is cleverness. And when you got two clever guys, eh, you're, clever, gonna, you're gonna figure some things out. Two wild and clever guys. That's what they say. That's us. <laughs> Tony, what do you say we wrap up the episode? Why not? Why not? Let's clever our way out of this episode here. <laughs> Thank you to our sponsor, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Quality Koozie Sarah, just $5. Shop local, support local, www.travelinggrowler.com. Podcast or teespring.com. Search Witty Not Funny, all one word, or go to the Googly. Search Witty Not Funny, Teespring. It's the first search result. Check out the podcast or support the pod today. T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, temperatures starting to dwindle down a little bit. We're at the end of summer. Fall is, excuse me, fall is right around the corner. Got some hoodies, got some crewneck sweatshirts. You can cop. That's what the kids say. Cop that at our podcast store. Check it out. Support the podcast today. Where you can find the podcast, you can find the podcast. Anywhere you find podcasts or listen to for free. iTunes, Spotify, on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. Dropping every Sunday. Until the season starts, I will change days and we'll let you know when that happens. But built in Buffalo, waiting not funny, search. If you like us, subscribe, leave us a review. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it. And truly do mean that here. 134 in a mini witty episode into it. Twitter handles, you can find the podcast at Witty Sports 716. Tony, where can the listeners find you? Even though I think you're going to be deactivating your Twitter in like a week. So. <laughs> I would say my days are numbered on Twitter and on X. <laughs> oh, and on X. Yeah, I forget. We should probably but, uh, change you, that. As you, as Still you, Twitter uh, to me, damn it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can find me on Blue Sky at Buffalo no. Savers. I am at Buffalo <laughs> Savers on Blue Sky. I'm going to tweet that out from the from the podcast handle. Yeah, do it. Really get some traction there. Mm-hmm. Somebody take Buffalo Bills already, by the way. Did we look yes, at they did. Yes. Oh, so Someone took Buffalo Bills. Son of a V. All right. Well, at least we got Sabres. Good call. Right. Um, yes, we did. We got it. Witty City got it. We got it. We own it. Um, I'm Blue Sky. Check out Blue Sky. 
listeners. Uh, Witty Four Seven One Six Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, and Instagram Witty Not Funny Sports on TikTok and Facebook. Give us a follow across all our social media. We love following back. Love connecting with Bills Mafia Saber Source people out there. We own the Sabers handle on Blue Sky. Sabers fans, you have to connect for with now. us there for now until Sabers pay us a bunch of money right. for it. Till the ransom comes in. <laughs> That's what we're waiting for. That's why we do this. I am under. I I do believe that this is an illegal thing. Like it's cyber squatting, but we'll see how it plays out. Well, yeah. See how it plays out. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, how throw plays us out. a couple yeah. autographed jerseys here in a in a, a couple in media passes. We'll be fine. Yeah, man, they throw us we'll media make, passes. We'll make it as harmless as possible, Buffalo. Saying, <laughs> uh, Tony, we're not doing send offs anymore for you, right? So we're just gonna say the general send off. That's of, all you, baby. Stay witty out there, everyone. Go Bills. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye later. Bye. Severance. Severance time, baby. Marshawn is a fresh of breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of looks like a football, actually. Hey, Thank you for that. Stitching, you that, got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.